Hey there and welcome. My name is Charles and it's such a privilege to continue our series looking at the I Am sayings in the Gospel of John. In this series, we're looking at who Jesus says he is and what that means. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then our hope is that this series will help you make sense of who Jesus claimed to be and why that matters, even if in the end you decide not to follow him or believe him yourself. If you're a follower of Jesus, then our hope is that you'll encounter him in fresh ways as we study him together. Andrew Wilson, our teaching pastor, started the series last week and he helpfully explained that John the writer has carefully structured this gospel, organising most of it into groups of seven. As you'll see on the table that's coming up on your screen now, on the left-hand side, there are seven dramatic miracles which John calls signs because they're meant to serve as signposts pointing us to Jesus. In the middle column, Jesus identifies himself seven times using the phrase, I am the. So for example, I am the bread of life. And these are powerful images that reveal his identity. The phrase he uses here is the one used in the Old Testament for the holy name of God himself, Yahweh. And when God uses, or when Jesus uses that term himself, he's claiming the divine name for himself. And on the right-hand column, maybe a little bit less well-known, is that Jesus also makes seven absolute I am statements in John's gospel. You see, in Greek, the same phrase could mean both a casual, hey, it's me, maybe like you'd say in a normal conversation. Or it might mean a deeper theological meaning, I am, Yahweh. And John uses both. You see, in this series, we'll be looking at all seven of the I am sayings in the middle column and two of the absolute I am statements on the right-hand column, the first one and the last one. Last week, Andrew preached on the first absolute I am statement in John chapter 4, verse 26. I, the one speaking to you, I am he. And if you missed that sermon last week, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. It was a fantastic sermon which really set up this series. Today, I'm going to speak on the very first I am saying, the one in the middle column, which is I am the bread of life. If you have a Bible, you can turn to John chapter 6, and in a moment we're going to read verses 25 to 59. But as you turn there, I want to ask you a question. What do you need to be satisfied? You see, we're all on the pursuit for satisfaction, aren't we? What is it for you? For me, over the years, I found myself in the pursuit of financial security. You see, I can fall into the trap of thinking, oh, if only I can earn X amount, then I'll be satisfied. Or if only I can save X amount each month, then I will be satisfied. In other seasons, I found myself in the pursuit of home improvements. To be honest, I love property programs like Location, Location, Location. And Kirsty and Phil's love it or list it. Now, no, don't judge me, okay? I know there's a few others out there who love those programs as well. But you see, I'm, I'm drawn in. I'm drawn into those programs and I'm thinking to myself, man, if only I had a nice open plan kitchen, if only I had an extra bedroom, or if only I lived in that location, then I would be satisfied. I wonder, what is it for you? Is it the pursuit of a relationship? Maybe a longing for a baby or a new job or a break from work? Or maybe like me, it's financial security, a new home or a better home. What do you need to be satisfied? In the verses we're about to read, Jesus shows us what we really need, what we really need 
to be satisfied. Let's read John chapter 6, verse 25 to 59. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I'll raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I'll give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, 
and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is the word of the Lord. At some point, I'm sure you've probably had a situation where you've caught the end of a conversation, jumped to a conclusion, and then later realized you had missed something. Maybe you stepped in and interrupted a conversation to share your point of view, only to see everyone else's facial expressions, and it suddenly dawned on you that you've missed something. You didn't have all the information. You missed the backstory. If you've been a Christian a while, this story is probably very, very familiar to you. You've probably looked at this passage before and you're probably really familiar with Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life. But because of that familiarity, the danger here is that we might quickly jump to conclusions about the meaning of what this is saying without looking at the backstory. Therefore, it's really important if we're going to understand the meaning of what Jesus says, we have to consider the backstory. You see, at the start of John chapter 6, Jesus has performed the amazing miracle of feeding the 5,000. It's a well-known story where Jesus takes five barley loaves and two fish and feeds a multitude. But it would be easy to overlook a key detail. You see, John is at pains to help us see that in John chapter 6, verse 4, that this is happening when the Jewish Passover festival is near. The Passover is a festival that Jews celebrate every year to remember how God delivered the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. You'll probably know about the 10 plagues and how God used Moses to provide deliverance for the people. But two miracles that stand out in the Exodus account are firstly the departure of the sea. Remember that? The departure of the sea, which allowed the Israelites to escape on dry land. You can look at it, Exodus chapter 14. And the second is the way God fed his people with bread from heaven in the wilderness for 40 years. Exodus chapter 16. You see two symbols, one of water and one of bread, to show us how God rescued his people and sustained them in the wilderness. You see, as we look at John chapter 6, Jesus appears near Passover, repeating many of the same themes. And if you were an early Jewish reader of this passage, these themes would be obvious. They would be unmistakable. I have two sons who are currently at preschool and uh, back in like October, they came home singing jingle bells. Can you believe it? In October, I couldn't believe what was happening. But when I heard them singing jingle bells, it suddenly dawned on me, hang on a minute, Christmas is coming. It's a sign, it's an echo of what is going to happen. I thought it came a bit early to be honest, but it was a sign of what's coming in a few months. For you, it might be, you know, someone hanging up Christmas lights. Maybe that's a sign that, yes, come on, Christmas is coming. You see, for the early Jewish readers, they would have seen the echoes of Exodus in John chapter 6. For example, when Jesus feeds the 5,000 at the start of the chapter, they're a multitude, just like those in the wilderness. Jesus feeds them with heavenly bread, just like the manna in the wilderness. And sandwiched between the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Jesus actually walks on water. You see, this acts as a way of reminding the early Jewish readers of how God used water and bread 
to deliver his people. And John uses those same themes to show us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Exodus. That's why, you see, when the crowd asked for another sign in verse 30 and 31, they refer back to their ancestors who ate manna in the wilderness. And Jesus responds in verse 32 to 33, I tell you, it wasn't Moses who was giving you the bread from heaven, but it was my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus says, look, you thought that Moses gave you the bread from heaven, but actually it was my father. You see, you looked at the gift, but overlooked the giver of the gift. And the giver of the gift has now sent the living bread, the true bread from heaven to give life to the world. You see, Jesus is saying, I am the manna. I am the manna that has come down from heaven. I am the greater Moses. I'm not just providing you with bread, but I am the bread. I haven't come just to rescue you from slavery, but to rescue you from sin and death and give you eternal life. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he is saying that he is the manna that has come down from heaven. He's also saying that he is eternal life. Have a look at verse 40. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him should have eternal life. Verse 47. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Let's imagine for a moment that we are the Israelites in Exodus chapter 16. You see, God's people have come out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness. They have no food. They're grumbling against God and against Moses. And actually that mimics the, the, the grumbling that they have towards Jesus in John chapter 6. And in response, in the Exodus account, God says to Moses, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. In fact, God says that he's going to provide meat, they call it quail, for them every evening and as much bread as they want every morning. The people go out every morning. Literally, they come out of their, their tents, perhaps, and they go out every morning and they collect as much bread as they need for that day. They're told not to hoard more than they need, but just enough for that day. And on the sixth day, they're told to collect twice as much so they don't have to collect any on the Sabbath. Just imagine what that would be like for a moment. Every day, you're to go out and just trust that God will provide food from heaven, otherwise you're gonna starve. It would be unbearable, wouldn't it? Most of us would think that would be crazy because we like control, don't we? We like to control what we're gonna eat, when we're gonna eat, how we're gonna eat. Imagine every day trusting God that he would provide. Otherwise, you'd go hungry. And you know what? <laughs> What's amazing about this, I love it, is that God provides food every single day. Literally, bread coming down from heaven. I'm sure it didn't look like this, but bread coming down from heaven so they could feast on. And you know what? Uh, this didn't happen just for a day or, or, or a week. God provided literally bread from heaven for 40 years, 40 years in the wilderness, God provided for his people. See, God fed and sustained his people with this daily provision of bread. And isn't that what food does, right? It sustains us, literally. It sustains us. And if we go back to John chapter 6, Jesus wants them to see the difference between the bread in the wilderness and who he is. 
See, Jesus says in John 6, 49, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which everyone may eat and not die. You see, Jesus is saying that he is the bread from heaven, which you can eat and never die. Faith in him, the living bread, means eternal life, life now and life forever. You know, if we aren't careful, we're going to let our culture define what life is all about. You see, a few years ago, me and my wife Amy went on a brilliant holiday to Costa Rica and we visited loads of tourist destinations. It was honestly amazing. If you ever get a chance to go to Costa Rica, I'd recommend it. But everywhere we went, you'd see signs that would read Pura Vida, Pura Vida, meaning pure life. That phrase is prominent in Costa Rican life and culture and promotes their way of life. Their way of life being to have fun, relax, don't stress out, just enjoy all that life has to offer. Aren't we all searching for Pura Vida, life that is truly life? And every culture has a way of defining what Pura Vida really is. And we try and find different ways, different things to find satisfaction. Whether that be holidays and houses, cars and careers, money and marriage, the list goes on and on and on. And these are all good things, aren't they, in and of themselves. But if we focus on these gifts and not the giver of these gifts, we not only miss the point, but we lose life itself. Jesus says, look, come to me, come to me. I'll give you eternal life. I have something to give you that will never mean you go hungry and you will never thirst. This is a new way of life now, not just a future destination, by the way. It's life now and forever. You see, just like the manna in the wilderness, Jesus says, come, I will feed you, I will sustain you, and ultimately I'll save you for eternity. So Jesus is saying, I am the manna from heaven, I am eternal life, and finally, I am the Passover lamb. Let's have a look at these verses from 53. Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is really difficult to understand and accept, isn't it? In fact, literally in the next couple of verses in John chapter 6, we see the disciples saying, wow, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And we see different responses to what Jesus teaches. Some people are completely offended and they simply walk away and they no longer follow Jesus. Others respond differently. When Jesus turns to the 12, he says, do you want to walk away too? And Simon Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the very words of eternal life. Why the difference in responses? Because of Jesus' extraordinary and radical claim that if you feed on him, you will live. Sounds a bit strange, doesn't it? Sounds a bit strange, sounds a bit weird. But again, we have to remember that this is happening near Passover where the Jews would gather to remember the nation of Israel's release from slavery at the hands of the Egyptians. You might remember that the final plague 
um, of the 10 was the angel of death, which came to kill the firstborn son of every family in Egypt. But to protect and save the nation of Israel from this final plague, the people are instructed to paint their doorposts with blood. Paint their doorposts of the houses with blood, the blood of a lamb. And that way, when the angel of death came to their houses, he would pass over them because the angel would see the blood of the lamb. The Jews would celebrate this event every year. And you know what? Wine would be present to represent the blood of the lamb and bread would be present to remember how God provided for them in the wilderness. You see, what's significant in John chapter 6 is how Jesus links his own death to the Passover lamb. Verse 30, uh, sorry, 54, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Verse 56, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Of course, Jesus wasn't talking literally, by the way. He isn't promoting cannibalism. He's using a powerful, powerful image of what he has done throughout this passage. He's done this throughout his passage to draw parallels between bread and a meal and his body and blood. He's done that constantly throughout this passage, drawing those parallels. You see, during the Passover feast, the, the, the flesh, the, the meat of the lamb would be cooked and eaten with unleavened bread. And in the Lord's Supper, or you might call it the breaking bread as we do in this church. And actually, we're gonna be celebrating the breaking of bread together at the end of this service. You see, in the Lord's Supper, in the breaking of bread, the bread now represents Jesus' body, Jesus' body that was literally broken, torn in two on the cross. And, and the wine represents the blood that was shed. You see, Jesus is saying that I am the greater Passover lamb. The Israelites were saved and brought out of Egypt through the sacrifice of the body and blood of a spotless lamb. Whereas we are brought out of a much deeper slavery, a slavery to sin and death through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, where his body was literally broken for us, where his blood was shed for us. You see, by the blood of Jesus, by the body of Jesus, because of which we are now passed over, we are saved from death brought back into a right relationship with God through faith and given eternal life. I wonder today, have you got this faith? Do you trust in this Jesus? Do you have this faith that saves and leads to eternal life? At the very beginning, I asked you, what do you need to be satisfied? I wonder how you might have answered that question. Jesus says that all you need to be satisfied, all you need is him. Can you believe it? It's an outrageous claim, isn't it? Outrageous. All that you need in this life, all you need to be satisfied is him. He is the true and living bread, the true and living bread that came down from heaven and gives life to the world. What does he mean when he says, I am the bread of life? He means I am the manna that came down from heaven to feed and sustain the Israelites in the wilderness. I am eternal life. I'm pure vida, pure life that you're looking for now as well as forever. I will satisfy your every longing. And I am the Passover lamb, the lamb that was slain on your behalf so that by repentance and faith, you too are past over and given life. What does he require of us? 
Well, look at verse 39 of John chapter, sorry, look at verse 29 of John chapter 6. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. But surely you say, that's too good to be true. Surely I have to do something. Surely I have to perform. Surely I have to be good enough to be accepted. Surely it can't just be as simple as that. Jesus says, nope. It really is as simple as that. This is a gift that has come down from heaven for you. It's so good, isn't it? It's so good that our only response, our only prayer is to mimic the crowd when they say in verse 34, Sir, always give us this bread. Now, of course, in that moment, they weren't really sure what they were saying. They didn't know the significance of what they were saying. But we, as we look back on the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, we know the significance of what they were saying. Lord, give us this bread. Surely that's our prayer. Surely that's our desire. Lord, give us this bread. Give us you. That's all we need to be satisfied in this life. Lord, give us you. Help us to experience you. Help us to live for you. Help us to know what life truly is. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we are so thankful that Jesus is the bread of life. We know that everything else in this world will just leave us more hungry and more thirsty. But we know that we can come to Jesus, the bread of life, who completely satisfies who when we feed on him, when we feast on him, we'll never go hungry, we'll never go thirsty. Thank you, he gives us life, pure life, both now and forevermore. As we come to you, Lord, as we feast on you, help us to continually see who Jesus is and what he's done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.